This episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast is brought to you by On Point Pomade. Keep your beard and hair looking on point with their line of pomades and beard oils over at onpointpomade.com. Use our code BSP15 at checkout and get 15% off your total purchase order. So thanks again to On Point Pomade for sponsoring our show. This episode is also sponsored by The Bean Bastard Coffee. Head over to TheBeanBastard.com and pick up any one of their delicious hand-roasted coffees. Coffee lovers will also enjoy their hand-cut and handmade espresso candles and soaps as well. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, head to their store located at 448 Elmwood Avenue. And thanks again to The Bean Bastard for supporting this show. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BREW and get 10% off your total order. Now on to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. Uh, This is a midweek mini episode coming at you, and this episode's guest, if you didn't look already, is Mike Mushak, the guitarist of Stained, who are embarking on a two-part streaming event this Saturday, May 1st, playing a set live of their hits. Uh, that was pre-recorded from a show uh, a couple of years ago. And then the second set, which is one we really focus on, is coming out on May 8th, where they play all of Break the Cycle in its entirety, celebrating the 20th anniversary of when that album came out. Uh, it was really great getting to talk to Mike again about Stained and about a landmark record. Um, whether you actually believe that Stained is still a popular band or whether, you know, any of that shit. Like, I know some people are like, I don't like that band. You know, they're just as bad as Nickelback and all that kind of shit. But the thing is, honestly, for someone of my age, that record came out really at a pivotal point uh, for my, you know, getting into music. Break the Cycle was just an undeniable record. Coming hot off of just the nonstop touring that the band did uh, behind Dysfunction, uh, that was one of the first shows I had gotten to see that I wanted to go to was Korn. Uh, stained and mindless self-indulgence on the sick and twisted tour and was just a band that blew me away. Um, Dysfunction was a record that got wore the fuck out. And at the time stained was one of those bands where uh, I feel like they were kind of an underground band at the time. Like I know a handful of my friends that were into music and would bring the big CD binders uh, with us every day. Um, Not many people had that, but I remember on the strength of uh, outside coming from the family values, 99 CD, uh, and obviously that getting played on the radio that it really broke stained. Um, so much so that, you know, it's been a while. I think, uh, a stat I had read a while back was that it was like the most played song of the, like, I want to say the, the two thousands, basically it was the most played on like uh, radio, 
uh, rock radio and so forth. And, you know, with it being a big crossover hit, you know, got them on TRL when that was still a thing and, and so forth. It just kind of was a very undeniable record. It was everywhere. Um, so much so that I know, like, when I bought the record, it was funny to, to, <laughs> to hear a song like It's Been a While or Outside and know that, you know, parents are probably buying this record on the strength of those two songs. And then essentially, you know, you're going to get a song like can't believe or suffer and stuff like that. And then probably being like, Oh, this isn't the band I thought I was getting. I thought they were the, the outside band or whatever. Um, so, I mean, I think it just kind of speaks to how big break the cycle was. Um, I had seen the band right before, uh, the record came out when they were touring with Godsmack, and it was just crazy to see how much the band had grown since seeing the band open for Corn on the Dysfunction album cycle. It just, I mean, it's, you can't understate how big that record was. And, you know, basically with the events of, of 9-11 happening, uh, a lot of the, the songs really resonated with, I think, culturally, uh, you know, the country. Uh, it was one of the records I feel like, you know, everyone was kind of looking to that broke in the mainstream. That was a very cathartic record for a lot of people. The, the lyrics that Aaron was talking about and just kind of the, the aggression that was contained within the tracks, you know, like I said, like a song, like can't believe or pressure or things like that. But, you know, you had these giant choruses, um, that made it more pop leaning, I guess, for some people that maybe weren't into, uh, some heavier music. So it's kind of the Trojan horse of sorts, but it, it was a, a, a giant fucking record. I mean, that's why <laughs> it spent, I think four weeks at number one, I think it went uh, platinum pretty quickly uh, within the first month of it being out. I think it's like certified four times platinum or more at this point. And it, it'll be really cool to see this, this album played in its entirety. Uh, there's a lot of songs that I haven't seen them play. And uh, as Mike says that the band hasn't played and he had to figure out how to play these songs again and how they go. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to uh, getting into this conversation with Mike. It's very brief. That's why we're dropping it in the middle of the weekend and to gear you up for the, the first live stream uh, happening this Saturday, May 1st. And uh, we'll talk to you on the other side of it. So I had the pleasure of talking to Mike Mushak, guitarist of Stained, who are gearing up for their two-part streaming event, The Return of Stained, starting May 1st with a live concert from Foxwoods, and then a 20th anniversary set, which will see the band uh, play Break the Cycle in its entirety on May 8th. Um, let's kind of start there. Break the Cycle 20 years. Wow. Uh, how, how does it feel on your end to be celebrating uh, one of your first landmark records? Old. <laughs> <laughs> No, listen, it's it's cool. You know, I, I kind of kind of came up last year. I was thinking, I'm like, it's going to be 20 years for Break the Cycle. And we started talking about, you know, something that we could do. And, uh, you know, the pandemic hit and, you know, kind of changes, you know, everything on how you, on how you approach things. And, uh, you know, I mean, everybody kind of goes back and does, oh, let's play the whole record. So, I mean, you know, it's not like we're doing anything, you know, <laughs> That groundbreaking, but it, it, it's cool. It was fun. It was a great location. Uh, I think there's going to be a, you know, I went back and was able to find, you know, 
I found Stain's first gig on tape. I found a bunch of, you know, old footage that we had from around then. Uh, we all did, like, interviews. You know, Aaron drove around and kind of showed where all the things were, you know, uh, that we were doing at that time. And So, I mean, there's going to be, like, a little documentary that kind of goes along with it, you know. So it should be fun, should be different. Um, and then, you know, you get to see, you know, let's play the whole record, you know. So, um, yeah, I was just really, really just wanted to kind of celebrate you know, what that was and, you know, how exciting it was for us at that time. And, you know, just proud of, proud of it. You know, kind of looking back on the record, cause this came out uh, when I was a junior in high school and was one of those things where, you know, the anticipation coming off of dysfunction, cause I believe I had seen you on that touring cycle, probably two or three times and thinking about seeing you on that, uh, that run with Godsmack basically about a month before Break the Cycle came out. But at that point, you had the success of Outside and you had the success of It's Been a While. And it was really interesting to kind of see the band's uh, fandom kind of bubbling over the, you know, at that point. Like everyone's just really ready for this new record. What was it kind of like for you guys, like, you know, having worked on this record and knowing, you know, what was about to come out, but seeing all this, this really quick success of basically outside and it's been a while kind of gearing up for the launch of the record. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it was funny. You mentioned the outside thing. I remember coming home and we were on the road for, I don't know, 15, 18 months on dysfunction. And I was, I was really the one pushing everybody like, come on, we worked really hard. You know, we have a great fan base. You know, we're starting to get a fan base. Let's, let's get this record done and let's get back to work. And, you know, dive right back into it and and I remember uh being home and we just built a new rehearsal space and in the basement of the house I had and I was working down there and the radio was on I started hearing outside like every 20 minutes like <laughs> what's going on and uh I'm like wow I mean, this I just I it just couldn't have been a better setup for what that going into what break the cycle was right I mean it was just yeah, it's just a really, really great way to set up what's coming next. And it was it was all organic. I mean, it wasn't like anybody pushed that. I mean, it was literally a friend of ours that a, that's a DJ in Hartford that started playing it, and the thing just took off, and that CD started selling like crazy in Hartford, Connecticut. And the management in the room were like, what's going on in Hartford that we're selling, you know what I mean, like 400 copies of this thing a week? And... uh that's how it really just it just started from that. You know, what's interesting about the success of that is it parallels so much, and I'm sure you've had this comparison so many times, but, you know, what happened with Jane's Addiction, what Jane says, there was the live version that everyone knew that became the hit, and then basically when it came time for the record to come out, you get this full band actual studio recording version, and it kind of really put people on a fence as to which version they really liked. Was there much trepidation in deciding to do a full band version of the song? I mean, I, you know, before it, it blew up and became what it was, we were always talking about doing that. I mean, so that, that's my memory of it, you know? So, I mean, I think Aaron might've had some, but I think I wanted to do it. I'm like, listen, let's just do another version. And I just thought it was, you know, let's just make it a, a I mean, you know, because we had this other version of it. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't remember there being 
you know, that much other than, you know, let's just try and, uh, you know, do this as a band. I think something that's a little bit interesting about this record and remembering looking back on it was, you know, it it got played so much. I mean, you guys broke through on TRL when that was A, still a thing, and MTV still played music videos uh, during peak time. And, you know, radio being a lot bigger than it is currently and just kind of thinking about how, you know, shortly after the release of this record, you know, 9-11 happens and that this record kind of became almost the soundtrack kind of for a, a... a nation kind of going through some shit. And, you know, I, I don't think I've really ever been able to ask someone cause I haven't had anyone from POD, which, you know, youth, the nation really was kind of the big hit for that, that time period. But what was it like kind of providing the soundtrack for the rebuilding and healing process after what happened? Well, you know, I swear, I, I never thought of that. I never put the two together. I, the one thing that I know and is just a, such a, a selfish thing. I know we had made a video for Fade that uh, we couldn't use and never got played because of 9-11 because we were in this like old church like kind of falling around down around us and they are like, um, we can't use this. <laughs> you know, so that got pulled, never got, you know, really got, which, I mean, obviously, I mean, it's, but I, I never thought of it as, you know, kind of the soundtrack for what that was. I just know, I remember, you know, Traveling was so much different. Touring became so much different. I mean, listen, it changed everything, right? I mean, uh, and, and understandably, um, you know, I mean, if people took it for that, it helped you, you know, it's, that's great. What's a song, you know, because the one thing is, is I know like this album has been out for 20 years, but I don't think you've played everything off of this record at this point up until, you know, the live stream. But what is a song that when you went back to listen to the record to kind of get familiar with your parts and so forth, that you a had either forgotten about or that you were really excited to play live for the first time? Sure. There was, uh, actually, I think it was one of the, f- the first songs we did. It was a song called Warm Safe Place. I don't think we've ever played it. Might have played it like once, but I, uh, you know, that was one uh, that you know was definitely had. To, I mean, I kind of remembered it. It took a couple of listens, um, but there was there was a few things like that, and a lot of them were just parts. You know, the last song, "Take It," we did play for a little while, but that one definitely, you know, and there was parts of the song. I mean, I can kind of remember the main riff, like. I had no recollection of what the bridge was. I didn't remember it at all. <laughs> so, you know, there's things that, uh, that definitely took a little bit. That kind of became my job though. I mean, it was like, all right, I want to play, I mean, I'm going to get up, I'm going to play through the record. I'm going to, you know, make sure that, you know, I can, you know, get through this thing. And it's, you know, going to sound good when we, when we finally do it. What's uh you know, the, the funny thing about doing this too, is it reminded me of some of the interesting opportunities the band had gotten. Uh, you know, you were one of the first bands to kind of relaunch the MTV Unplugged outside of like Lauren Hill and Jay-Z at the time. And it was really interesting to see how you tackled some of the songs acoustically from this record. Can't believe being the biggest one that I was like, I, I no pun intended, can't believe you're tackling that acoustically and how is it going to sound? And it was really interesting to see how you were able to kind of change some of the songs for that set. Um, what was a little bit of that process like for you looking back? Yeah, no, for sure. That was a lot of, that was a lot of fun. There was, there was a lot that went on in making that though. And I'm not sure anybody really knows it. Um, the first day that we were supposed to be a half hour show 
and REM was filming the same day. So they went first, and they were supposed to be done at like, I want to say like five or six. They went to like two in the morning. And we're sitting around, and Aaron was sick. He didn't feel well. And I mean, I remember we went in to do it, and everybody was dead. He couldn't sing because he was sick to begin with. We've been sitting around all day, and uh, it's for that reason why every time an REM song comes on, I change the station. <laughs> but, uh, but listen, from that came something good. They said, listen, let's do this again. Let's give you guys your own day. Let's make it an hour show. And uh, that's what we did. And I remember we were out with Cole. Terry was a, you know, a, a dear friend. And, you know, him and I worked on some of the, you know, the different guitar parts and secondary guitar parts. And, you know, I think that's really helped, you know, make that, um, you know, kind of come alive. You know, some of those songs, being able to do some of those other things and, you know, have some, some more layers in there, you know, so... Um, but yeah, I can't believe it was definitely one that uh, I'm with you, I, but I love the way that it came out. You know, I, mean, I think it's cool when you can, we can take something like that that's not supposed to be, you know, played acoustically and adapt it to that and do a version of it. Absolutely. Kind of as we're uh, wrapping up here, um, you know, you were talking 20 years of break the cycle at this point and, you know, what it did for the band, you know, I, I think can't be really understated. I, I, went back to find my Rolling Stone article where Aaron had gotten the cover uh, shortly after the success of the album coming out. And I think being four weeks at number one and selling like a million copies pretty quickly, you know, what now, you know, 20 years later, what does the record mean to you now versus when it came out? I mean, really, I mean, listen, obviously it changed everything for us. I mean, it, it kind of changed the, the direction of all of our lives. You know what I mean? It, that record, you know, um, I mean, I'm still in the house that I bought because we had, I remember it's funny. It's like, you know, everything that I had was from uh, all my cars were O2s and everything, you know what I mean? It was like, everything was, you know what I mean? So it, listen, it changes, it changes a lot of things, you know, but, uh, that being said, I mean, I still think that we're all kind of the same, you know, you know, people that we were and just, you know, just fortunate that you, we worked hard and put out something that we believed in. And, uh, you know, at the time people wanted to hear it. And it was, it was great. It was a great, it was a great time. It was a great experience. It was great to go out and be able to play those songs and, and play those shows and, and just kind of, you know, see the growth and, you know, know that, you know, all the hard work kind of pays off a bit. Absolutely. Last question for you. And I'm sure you're going to get this a lot today. Um, you know, with touring, or at least shows and festivals slowly coming back and you guys playing, you know, Louder Than Life uh, two years ago now, I guess, at this point. Um, is there a possibility that maybe this Break the Cycle anniversary uh, show is kind of one of your first tours back, possibly? Well, I don't know if we would ever go out and play the full record. I mean, I think we, you know, us doing this pay-per-view is really probably the only time we'll ever do that. Um, you know, I... But... There are some shows coming up this year. I mean, I know we have some shows in July that we're doing, and I think there's a couple of other things, and there's there's talk of some other stuff this year. So uh, nothing that's been fully confirmed, but I'd say keep an eye out. There's a good chance that, you know, there, there's probably something coming up, you know, later on this year for us playing. And I'm sure we'll play, you know, probably more songs off of that record. But, uh, 
I don't think we would go out and do. I don't. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> so I mean, like I said, we you, and I think that that's you know that can be what it is in our celebration of it. Well, awesome. Well, thank you very much for taking the time, and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing the two-night live stream event. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. So this is my conversation with Mike Mushak, again, of Stained. Uh, the first of the two-part live series streaming event uh, is happening this Saturday, May 1st. And uh, it's just a normal set that was recorded from a few years ago, playing all the hits. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, if you haven't seen the band in a while, uh, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised by the set list they have, because I know... Uh, when I saw them last, it was a lot of like stuff off of Dysfunction, kind of the heavier shit off of the rest of the records. And I want to say outside of like outside, no pun intended. And it's been a while. I don't really remember there being a whole lot of the the, the softer ballady songs that a lot of people think of when they think of the band. It was kind of a very lean and mean set that you like. I think will surprise some people. Um, I'm interested to see if it's kind of the same set I saw last time, it, I think it came out from around the same, same year. So it should be good to kind of, it will be good to kind of go back and just kind of experience live music. Um, I have been seeing some old concert footage. I think a lot of people have been going back to like YouTube and watching old concert clips uh, from bands and so forth. And it is kind of weird to see, you know, full arenas, full of people, um, and, you know, like in the last week, uh, Madball played a, a headline to show in New York Park. Uh, and 2,000 people showed up and just went ape shit. And it was kind of a bit like, uh, like, is it too soon? Like, you know, what's going on with this? But it was really cool to just see people enjoying music and enjoying a space together again just the communal aspect of listening to music there's a lot of people like oh it really sucks that people weren't more in mask and you know that this, this event happened but i think for me i'm just really excited to to kind of get back to some normalcy and be able to go see live shows so i'm very much looking forward to these two sets uh the break the cycle one though uh as you heard i focused most of my questions on that because like i said it just was such a, a landmark record uh for me growing up and it was really cool getting to hear some stories uh, about it. <laughs> the REM one, <laughs> I thought was really funny. And I don't know if they ever told that story. Because, like, I know on the DVD for The Unplugged, Aaron was like, we tried doing this once before. And then he's like, it just sucked. I don't think he mentioned the band or anything like that. But it was just one of those, like, I've always kind of wondered the backstory to that. And, and now I know. And now you know. And knowing is half the battle, according to G.I. Joe. We're going to start wrapping this episode up. It was just kind of a nice little mini episode to throw into the week to get you prepped for this uh, this live stream on Saturday. Uh, if you would like to keep up with Stained, it's simple enough. Go to stainedofficial.com. That's your landing page for everything. Uh, that's also where you can go get your tickets for the live stream. They have some really cool merch bundles. Uh, it was really wild to see some of the old merch designs from this era printed again. It definitely reminded me of you know, ordering some of those shirts or getting them when I went to go see the band. Definitely thinking about picking up a, one of the Break the Cycle shirts that I have, I haven't had in like about 20 years. Um, but if you would like to go check out anything out, stainedofficial.com is your landing page. If you want to keep up with them on the socials, uh, it's all in the show notes. Go to Facebook at Stained, Instagram at Stained Official, Twitter at Stained. Mike doesn't have any socials, so can't really follow him anywhere. And uh, for everything this podcast, just go to brewspeakpod.com. That is our landing page for everything the podcast has to offer, where we can be found, some of our friends, uh, the sponsors we have, which, speaking of those, want to thank again, rockabilia.com. Head on over there, use our code BREW, save 10% off your total purchase order. There is some Stained merch over there as 
well. So after you're done supporting the Stained guys and buying a ticket to the live stream, head over to Rockabilia, pick up some Stained merch. Bean Bastard, go to thebeanbastard.com, pick up some delicious coffee. And last but not least, On Point Palmade. Keep your beard and hair looking on point. Use our code BSP15 and take 15% off your total purchase order. And this Sunday's guest is going to be Stormy Daniels and Justin, a.k.a. the Spooky Babes. We'll see you then. Enjoy the rest of your week.